Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. And we start today with some injury news. Benny Snell had a surgery to trim his meniscus. That's what, we're, that's what we're being told and reportedly will be out for a, a few weeks. Uh, the Trib has said two to three weeks. The Post-Gazette has said two to six weeks. I'm sure there's somebody else out there who's mm. saying something else. But what we do know, Motsi, Benny Snell is going to be out at least for a few weeks uh, after a surgery to trim his meniscus. Wow. Man, that's very unfortunate. You know, you think about the success that he was having over the Chargers game, obviously, and then you were hoping that he could carry on that into this game versus the Dolphins. But seeing him get hurt, I mean, it sucks. It, and it doesn't even – watching it on film, it didn't even look like anything crazy. Right. Nothing that anyone would say, oh, man, that was such a, a, a bad play for him. But that's just how it is sometimes, man. It's – like you said, a rookie season where he was having some success on special teams as well, making plays. He he was one of the guys that really stepped up from the preseason to the regular season. So it definitely sucks, and they're definitely going to feel the loss of him oh, for, sure. for his duration. And you couple that with the fact that James Conner's availability is up in the air right now. is definitely making that running back room that had looked like a strength over the past couple of weeks really start to look shaky right now. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. It's an unfortunate development. Um, we were, you know, optimistic that, okay, Snell and James Conner, a little banged up, but hopefully it's nothing too serious. Right. You know, maybe at worst they miss this weekend against the Colts, but then the, they're right. back. But it, uh, clearly, at least in the case of Benny Snell, we're awaiting more updates on James Conner, and I wouldn't expect those until closer to game time right. on Sunday. But with Benny Snell – a meniscus injury, that's something you have experience with. Yeah, well, not me personally, but I've played with numerous guys who've that, had meniscus okay, wait, injuries. Wait, I thought that was what you did in, in Arizona. No, no, I did uh, MCL. MCL, okay, yeah, MCL. my fault, my fault. Yeah, but um, with the meniscus, like you said, man, in terms of them trimming it, it's a simple procedure in terms of, you know, it's real in and out, quick and clean, but everybody's recovery from it is different. Some guys, they are back in two weeks. Some guys I've seen it take up to like five, six weeks. That's just a part of that process. The good thing for Benny is he's young. The thing that I don't like is he plays running back. Right. Whereas if you're you a defender. a lot of cutting and right. you jumping think, you think and about some of these, You think about some of these uh, linebackers, some of these guys on defense that have had meniscus injuries, had to get them cleaned up. Well, when you're coming back, it's more so you're stopping, you're starting, but you don't have to worry about getting hit in your knees because realistically on defense, the only time you're getting hit in your knees is if you get cut blocked. And that's when I just say that – you know, you're not a really good athlete if you can't play the cut block, you know. You see it home with your hands, <laughs> kill the head, and after that you're good to go. <laughs> but when you talk about the running back position, he can't go out there and be cautious thinking about his knee. He can't go out there and, and be timid thinking about his knee, especially with his style of game. He's not the type of runner that's a blazer or that's going to just make you miss. He's just going to go north-south. Right, he's right. a north-south, no-nonsense type runner, and he does a phenomenal job when it comes to – the yards after contact but this is all predicated on him being healthy now you're going to have him coming back whenever it may be and you have to have the questions and the concerns in terms of is he physically capable 
of still having those type of runs? Is his knee going to hold up when getting hit? Similar questions to what we're going to have with Jalen Samuels, who's coming sure. back from a knee injury. It's all predicated on that because they play a position where they get hit a lot, and especially in their legs. So with that being said, I, I'm, I'm just – it sucks to hear that, you know, Benny has to deal with that right now, man. Particularly right with what we saw from him last week and what we saw from him in Los Angeles against the Chargers. You and I have talked about how, for rookies, right, it's a crazy process. Oh, no question. From the end of your last year in college, right? And then you're prepping for a bowl game, most likely for a lot of these guys. And then you got to get ready for the combine and everything that goes with that where you're right. essentially like livestock for four days getting paraded <laughs> around Indianapolis. Then you have to go through the whole draft process. And, and, and not to mention you have to hire agents and do all that stuff and your trainers decide where you're going to train before that. Then you have the draft. Then you have rookie minicamp. Then you have minicamp and OTAs and training camp and preseason. It never stops. Correct. It takes some time before you before things start to slow down for you, right? Before you get comfortable with the NFL pace, before you get settled in. We've seen that over the last few years. You saw it with Juju Smith-Schuster, right? Guys, hopefully you're seeing it now with Deontay Johnson. Guys who just, it takes some time, about a half a season or so for rookies to really start to get comfortable. And I think the most frustrating part of the timing of this now is, man, it really felt like Benny Snell was on that precipice of, of getting over kind of that rookie hump. Yes, indeed, man. It's one of those things that every season you have different challenges. Every season you have different obstacles. Every season you face different levels of adversity. And this isn't as a team. This is individually we're talking about. And this is just one of the things that he has to overcome and deal with. It's unfortunate. But Benny is the type of guy, man, that looks like he loves this game, looks like he's not going to let anything derail him from the type of success that he wants to have and the impact that he wants to have. And understanding that, you definitely feel promised or you feel optimistic at the fact that, hey, at least he's not gone for the season. So you know he's still going to feel somewhat locked in while he's going through this whole recovery process. You mentioned how now, you know, Benny Snell in a knee injury, Jalen Samuels in a knee injury, and how that's just – different for running backs who are taking a ton of hits who have to be able to stop and start quickly cut quickly things of that nature with Benny Snell out now you've got Jalen Samuels you've got Trey Edmonds and they just added Darren Hall to the practice squad yesterday if with Jalen Samuels you know return and health still considered if they get to a point today or tomorrow where they think okay James Conner probably isn't going to be able to go this weekend either do you think we could still see potentially some more moving and shaking in that department with, again, still some unknown around Jalen Samuels, even though he is practicing, which is a good sign? Without a doubt. You you can't go into a game with, what, Jalen Samuels, who's in his second year coming off, coming of, a off surgery, of a knee surgery, Trey Edmonds, who was <clears throat> excuse me, on your practice squad earlier this season, and that's it. And I guess Rosie Nix as your fullback, but that's not a lot of depth. That's not a lot of experience. That's a lot of uncertainty in that room in particular. So I would definitely anticipate them making some other type of move, whether it is bumping up Darren Hall, if James Conner is unavailable. But one of those things with James is the coaches said, in terms of Mike Tomlin, he doesn't need to practice. So that's the part that makes me a little concerned just because if he's not practicing, which is understandable because you want him to be healthy, how do you know his shoulder will be fine? Might not until Sunday morning. And that's – by then, it's too late to make the moves in terms of 
activating the guy versus not activating the guy. So that's very risky in terms of having a player not have to practice and then go out there. The only time I've seen that and it worked out well was uh, Ben Roethlisberger going to Denver in 2015. Didn't practice all week. We saw him out there in the walkthrough on Saturday throwing left-handed. Then he goes in the game <laughs> versus the Broncos and lights it up. That was the only guy we ever felt comfortable with that happening with as well. Whereas with James, yes, he's had success, but he's another guy whose style is what? Very physical. Oh, yeah. He he likes to bruise when he runs. He's not a type that's going to shake you and likes to lower you with the shoulder. Speed. Right. He, he predicates his game on being physical. So with that being said, when I think about him not practicing all week potentially and then showing up in the game, how do I know that style is going to work? How do I know that's going to hold up? Because if he goes down or if any of those running backs go down in the game, well, now – you're in a very, very bad situation. Benny Snell obviously did not practice yesterday. If you look at the rest of the the practice report here, the injury report, uh, Mark Barron and Vance McDonald both not practicing as well, although important to note here, not injury-related according to the Steelers. So maybe just a a, a day off, a veteran's day off for those guys. James Conner also not practicing. Wouldn't expect him to practice at all this week. Uh, Jalen Samuels, full practice participant. That is encouraging. Mm Mm-hmm. Marquise Pouncey did not practice still with that calf injury. Ramon Foster still in concussion protocol. He did not practice. And Dan McCullers dealing with an ankle injury. Big Dan. Did not practice as well. I want to talk with you about not only having two running backs banged up, but also now two of your offensive linemen, how that relates to Mason Rudolph. We'll do that when we return inside the Electric Factory Euler Emotes. You already know the drill. You want to chime in, you can tweet us at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. And I've got a fun little side plot to the show today for you. Oh, you do? All right, you ready for this? Well. You know I like to keep you on your toes. Come on now, it's that type of day. What day is today? Thursday, which means it's three question Thursday. But we'll, we'll get there eventually. You're right, because that's my favorite day of the week. But what is today? Today is Halloween, my son. Oh, there you go. So a fun little side plot that I've got for you on the show today, right, that we'll do as we go along here. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different Steelers matchups for you, all right? Ooh. And I want to know, in the opinion of Arthur Motes, who is the most terrifying? Ooh. Oh, a little Halloween like Steelers flair here. So I'll throw one out for you now before we go to break, right? Who's more terrifying, Jerome Bettis or Heinz Ward? Hines work because he breaks people's jaws. Gosh. Hines hits you when you ain't looking, man. That'll hurt. <laughs> bus is big. You got now. the bus running over Erlacher. Yeah, you got Hines Ward breaking face masks. Yeah. Hines, though. He, you he, going with Hines? He catch you when you ain't looking. I don't like that. All right. All right. Most of these are defensive matchups, so all we'll right, get into all right, those. All right. But if you want to chime in as the show goes along, again, at Wesley Euler at The Body 52. The Body. On Twitter. Talking a banged up offensive line and running backs and how that relates to Mason Rudolph. When we return, you are inside the electric factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. You're listening to SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Discussing the unfortunate developments of Benny Snell needing knee surgery in what's already a a banged-up running back room for the Steelers. The offensive line dealing with some injuries as well. We'll get to that in a second. But if you missed the first segment, if if you're just joining us or maybe you missed it there at the end, 
Fun little side plot to the show today, right? Since it is Halloween, I've got some matchups of famous Steelers here, and I want to know your opinion and Arthur Motes' opinion about who is the most terrifying. I asked at the end of the break there about Jerome Bettis versus Heinz Ward. Annie chimes in here on Twitter, and she says, I got to go with Ward. Or, yeah, I have to go with Ward just because at least when Bussy hit you, you knew it was coming. When Hines <laughs> hit you, it was coming out of nowhere. Yeah, Hines like a sniper, man. You just don't see him in it. Pow! Like, yep, I don't like that. Mm-mm. That so, hurts. So here's the next one I got for you, all right? Brett Kiesel or Casey Hampton? <gasps> Who's more terrifying? Oh, man. Jeez. You got fear, the beard. There's big snacks. There's big snacks from Texas. Man. I got to go snacks. God, he eating you up, man. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason his name's yeah. Snacks. <laughs> and he's just like, you just look at him, you're like, oh, I can't guy. I don't have that. No, nope. no, Kiesel. Nah, nah, it looks scary. So, oh. Especially with that the, hunting yeah, face pain and the camouflage. Yeah. <laughs> he got that look as the beard and everything. Oh. I got some tough ones for you. Yeah. We're just scratching the surface now. <laughs> oh, that's tough. That's tough, tough. I like that one. Again, if you want to chime in, get your opinions in on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at the Body 52 The Body. Not just banged up in the running back department here, Motsi. Uh, at offensive line as well, too. Marquise Pouncey not practicing with a calf. Ramon Foster still in concussion protocol. It's a tough place to be in where – Man, you wanted to be able to lean on that run game and the offensive line the rest of the season, and now all of a sudden you are pretty banged up in that department. Yeah, definitely, man. It's very unfortunate. And especially when you're looking at the guys in that O-line room that are down, or right. potentially down. Like These are two of your key contributors. And really the focal points in the run game, when you talk about the interior part of the run game, the interior part of the lineman, um, when you look at the replacements, though, you have to feel confident. Obviously, you have B.J. Finney, Zach Banner. Well, yeah, because I guess Zach would have to move him inside potentially. Or you could move um, Matt Fowler over there. Right. Because that's what they did in the game when DeCastro went down. They moved Matt inside, right. put Zach outside. And put so Zach outside. You have the position flexibility, but it's just, man, when you have multiple guys going down, just trying to fill in. Right. I mean, there's so many moving pieces in that regard. And then also, I think about this. BJ is your backup center. So now if BJ is going as the starter, he also is one of your backup interior linemen. Now yep. you're losing your depth he's in your, multiple he's your, he's spots. He's your prime backup center yeah. and, and guard. Absolutely. Any of those three interior so, positions. So you're putting yourself in a real bind by that. Now it'll be interesting to see, in terms of Marquise uh, Pouncey, how he heals up throughout the week because he's another guy that doesn't need to practice, but he can show up in the game and be just fine. Right. I think the big deals with Ramon and the protocol just because you never know how how long it's going to be, when he's going to be back from it is just Particularly on a short week, right. too. Right, you just never know. So those are the things that make that situation difficult. But, man, <laughs> just thinking about that element of it. And more so I'm thinking about it from the big picture standpoint with a young quarterback, Mason Rudolph. Sure who did struggle in the first half of that Dolphins game, came in the second half and played a lot better. But he's going to be going against the Colts defense that's a lot better, and he won't be able to start slow. And typically you would want to have that running game that you can rely on, sure. the running game to keep him from having to feel like he has to do it on his own. With the running back situation, as it is right now with the injuries, and now you're looking at the offensive line situation and their potential injuries, 
is really making you feel nervous or uneasy sure about how everything's playing out right now and we talk a lot too about how in general but even more so now in the absence of Ben Roethlisberger where you need your defense to kind of lead the way and continue to make splash plays for you and continue to keep you and put you in advantageous situations in every game a big part of that you saw against Miami and you've seen you saw it against the Chargers as well too and against the Bengals is with that run game you're able to work five, six, seven minutes off the clock on a lot of these drives. You're able to keep your defense rested. You're able to keep them fresh. You're able to keep them away from what we saw against Seattle and San Francisco, right, Correct. where they were playing 20-plus more snaps than the other defense. All these things are intertwined. They all go hand-in-hand. Hand. And, yeah, I mean, it's got to be concerning, particularly with – the best team the Steelers have played all season, I think, and the Colts coming to town. Well, besides the Patriots. Sorry, right, besides the Patriots. I was going to say, wait a besides, minute. Besides the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, week one, you know, it's like an extension hey. of the preseason. Oh, anyway. is that what it is now? <laughs> Holy cow. I wanted to ask you about what you hit on first there, though, with the offensive line. Yes. B.J. Finney is the backup center. He's the backup guard, left or right side as well, too. Uh, we know Filer, he's your starting right tackle, but he has moved to play guard as well. Zach Banner relates to this equation if the move is to, right, let's go worst-case scenario hypothetical here and Pouncey and Foster both have to miss the game on Sunday. Right. Would you rather them move a bunch of parts around, right? So, so Filer comes into guard to play next to Finney and then Banner comes in at tackle, which all of a sudden would take away your options and some of that heavy personnel that Correct. we've seen. Or do no you more 72 reporting is eligible. No more 72. Oh, None of he's starting at right tackle. Jeez, I don't know how I feel about that now. Oh, man. Obviously, I'm sure that we can agree the coaches have a much better handle on this than we do. Right. But just in the big picture sense, do you like the idea of moving around that? Like, like for example, moving a guy like Filer when maybe you necessarily don't have to just because you'd rather have him at guard over some of the other options, and then you end up moving, you know, you move a right tackle, and you have to replace. You're right. almost using two, you know, you're taking one hole and, and having two moving objects in Correct. there as well, too. You, you get what I'm saying. I'm following it, you. I'm following you. Is, is that something that surprises you, or do you think it is just about, hey, you got to get your best dudes on the field however or whatever it takes? Yeah, you definitely got to get your best dudes on the field. And also, if guys are capable of moving and it isn't, going to be as impactful as it is bringing a younger guy in then that's the move you go with and, and this is what I mean by that so if Matt can move in to play guard and it's not going to have a negative effect on Matt and his productivity it's not going to have a negative effect on Matt from a mental standpoint and he's still going to be able to grow and develop well then you move him over and then you let Zach Banner come in at a position where he's able to just play and I have to think and then for BJ hey if you're able if you're capable of just, okay, instead of going to play guard this week, go play center this week so we can have Matt at guard, then cool, knock it out, man. As long as it's not going to have a negative effect versus the, hey, I don't want to move Matt. I don't want to move BJ from their positions. Let me just go bring somebody else in or move somebody else over there. And now you're stunting the growth of somebody else that is a younger player like a Zach Banner or whoever else they would want to put in one of those positions and things like that. And that's something that this coaching staff definitely considers. And then from a roster standpoint, because these aren't long-term issues in terms of Ramon's concussion, that could be this week or at worst next week, potentially. When you talk about Pouncey's calf, that could be a one- to two-week thing, tops. So 
why deal with the I got to release somebody else sure. to go sign somebody to handle these situations when I have the position flexibility from some of these guys in here? And I was a guy who, throughout my career, was able to understand that. I had to move around and play yeah, inside linebacker, outside linebacker, DN, because of the flexibility. And then the coaches are like, well, hey, it's not going to hurt you from a mental standpoint. You're capable of playing multiple spots, and it doesn't stunt your growth. Let's do that. So that way, hey, if we want to carry seven DBs, we could do that. If we want to carry four or five outside linebackers, we can carry those guys. Versus if we're having to cut somebody because oh, we don't feel we have the personnel that can – show that position flexibility, now we have to drastically make moves to our roster that could affect us in the long term. That's a great point by you. It really is. And like you said, you've been there. You played in a 4-3, you played in a 3-4, you played inside, you played outside. Hey, man, you name it, I done done it, baby. Put your hand in the t- – you put your hand in the dirt a absolutely, few times, didn't you? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And was that when you guys were in a 4-3 scheme? 4-3, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, when I was in Buffalo, we did some 4-3 hand in the dirt. And a lot of times I tell people this, if you play outside linebacker but you're in on sub-package ball, your hand's going to be in the dirt. That's true. You instantly become a 4-3 DN. So, yeah, it's a part of it, man. But, yeah, the the thing is, as long as you have that position flexibility and you're mentally capable of it like B.J. Finney is, like Matt Fowler is, then you can do these type of things. You don't have to feel like if you're Kevin Colbert, as bad as the situation appears, you still don't have to make – moves that are going to have a negative effect on your roster long term. And that's the thing that's so promising about this situation. When you have guys like that who've developed so much where they're capable players at either position. And we certainly know the Steelers, if there's an area of the team where they had to be hit with some injuries, offensive line is maybe the best area to have it because they do have behind their starting five at least two, maybe three or four guys who are who are – starting caliber talents in the National Football League who would be starting for Absolutely. a lot of other teams. Absolutely, and that's the thing that you have to love. The abundance of resources and talent that they have in that room definitely helps out in situations like this. And that's why I said, I mean, if you're Kevin Colbert, if you're Mike Tomlin, you're very comfortable in this situation because you know the guys that are coming in are more than capable of executing at a high level. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. Tanner chimes in here and says Heinz Ward was the first player to make rent, make the renegade video, uh, first offensive player to make, to make the renegade yes, video. Yes, he so was. there's that. That's true. That's a good point there. And our buddy David says he wants to know most terrifying. He's trying to step on my toes here, David. James Harrison or Greg Lloyd? Listen, David, you got to be patient here, right? <laughs> you don't think I got those guys on my list here at some point to put in front of Mozi? But it's a good point. There's a lot of good linebackers, a lot of terrifying linebackers in Steelers lore. Don't worry, I, I've got some more here for Motsi. I've got some linebackers. I got some more offensive players. We got some defensive linemen. Hey, some safeties. Hey, if you catch my drift there, and maybe just stay on the dark side. Maybe even some coaches as well too. Ooh, oh, but you gotta stay with us to hear the most terrifying Steelers debate. We will continue to do that as we roll along. But up next. Our good buddy live from down here on the south side, Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, will join us to talk all things Pittsburgh Stellars, what we saw on Monday night. And, of course, you know he's been pretty good with his predictions this year so, so far. So far, so good, man. So we'll, we'll uh, get his thoughts on the Colts game as well, too. Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joins us when we return. Inside the Electric Factory, it's Euler and Motes, Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is where Steelers Nation plants its flag. SNR. Steelers Nation! 
Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. A whole bunch going on on the show today like we always have on a Thursday, one of our favorite days of the week, and that's mostly just because our good friend of the show, Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joins us. Mr. Backo, we have a little side plot to the show today. All right, I've got uh, seven or eight different matchups here of Steeler on Steeler crime, right? I wasn't on, briefed on this. <laughs> uh, on, on Halloween, right? In honor of today being Halloween. I've been Today's throwing, Halloween? I've been throwing out two names for Motsi and asking, asking him, right, who was the most terrifying. Okay. Right, so the first one was Jerome Bettis or Heinz Ward. Bus. Ooh. I'm going bus. I, I like it. Heinz, a hard hitter, but too, ni- too nice of a guy. I mean, they're both mm. nice guys, but he's... I think he's way too, uh, too okay, friendly. Okay, okay, okay. Brett Kiesel or Casey Hampton? <laughs> Big snack. There it is. Big snack for me. Kiesel, another very jolly giant. <laughs> I've talked to Brett Kiesel before and uh, really friendly, so I'm going to go with Big Snack being a little more terrifying in that one. All right, I'm going to throw out another one here. Uh-oh, here I we think go, Motes, here we go. Moats will definitely like this one, a little linebacker on linebacker is this, crime. Is this the, uh, the, the heavyweight showdown? It's no, no, no. Okay. This is, ah, ah, but this right. is the, you know, if this were a fight card, this would be yeah, the yeah, yeah. match before the heavyweight showdown. Okay. It's a co-main event. Little, <laughs> little, we go. little linebacker on linebacker crime here. Little Hall of Fame on Hall of Fame crime Whoa. here. Mm. Jack Lambert or Kevin Green? Jack Lambert. Give me the. Uh, Jack Lambert, hands yeah, down for me. Yeah, yeah. The tooth and the spitting yeah. and the and the angry handlebar mustache. Oh, for yeah. sure. He is like a Halloween character. Well, I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> That's true. I bet you there's plenty of Yinzers dressing as Jack Lambert tonight Unint- for Halloween. Unintentionally. Unintentionally. Yeah. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> They're just wearing his jersey because they've worn it every day for the past 50 years. I mean, yeah. it is Jack, though. Wear it on Halloween. Know. Wear it to mass on the weekend, yeah. you know. Boots and shorts. The boogeyman. <laughs> Brian, you wrote about Steven Nelson this week and what he's meant to the defense. And, man, I, I don't remember – such a good free agent signing for the steel. I mean, I'm trying to think maybe Ryan Clark was, was the last time yeah. a, a free agent had this type of impact, man, what an addition he's been to that secondary. Yeah. He's been super solid. You don't notice him a whole lot during the game. And I think that's a good thing for him. And mm-hmm. he seemed to be pleased about that yesterday. And, and he really didn't want to gas himself up too much. I mean, he said there's still, he's still got a lot of things he could do better. Didn't want to necessarily get into it, but to me, it's, it's a really good sign because when he came here from Kansas City, the good was the four picks that he had last year. He kind of finally broke out as a guy getting takeaways because he didn't have any in his first right. three years in the league. The bad was all the Chiefs fans and, and people who follow that team talking about how much he gets targeted and how much teams have kind of gone at him in the past. It's been the, the reverse of that this year with the Steelers. I mean, he's not getting the numbers that you traditionally look at for a corner but also barely anybody's throwing at him. So that is exactly what the Steelers brought Steve Nelson in to do, more or less shut down one side of the field. I don't know that I'm going to go so far as to call him Nelson Island or anything like that <laughs> just yet, but uh, through seven games and six that he's played in, I've been pretty impressed with his body of work. Yeah, no doubt. Him in the fray alongside of Joe Hayden. Then you've got Edmonds, of course, obviously in his second year now paired with Minka Fitzpatrick. It feels like 
in years of past, right, the past two, three, four years, we've really talked about the Steelers' secondary not necessarily being a weak point of the team, but, but one of those areas where you would like to see yeah. them improve. And cornerback specifically has been right. a spot that they've really struggled Ever since draft and since develop, Taylor. and even find free agents. And, so. and once Joe Hayden came over, that was always the conversation. Who's going to be the guy opposite him? They tried Artie Burns. It went to Cody Sensible. Then they went back to Artie, and it was just a revolving door on that side of the field. But now, I mean, when you look at Steven, what he's been able to do, I feel like has been a huge boost to that secondary. And they drafted Justin Lane in the third round yeah. this year. And, and when that pick was made, some of us were wondering, do they actually want to bring him in and sort of use him on the outside right. and, and maybe move Steven Nelson inside? Uh, that hasn't been even on the table whatsoever. No. It's allowed them to, if they still really like what Justin Lane can bring, it's allowed them to you know, bring him along slowly and, and sort of uh, give him a redshirt year, quote-unquote. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the Steve Nelson addition has been – I think even better than, than a lot of people could have hoped for. And it should be because he signed the biggest uh, <laughs> true free agent contract, I believe, in, in franchise history. So he better pay off. Tough news for, for Benny Snell today. Going to be out a few weeks with a meniscus, right? A, a trimmed meniscus, I believe, was, was yeah, the term a, they used. Talk about a surgery slash injury that sounds yeah. way worse than the actual prognosis. Trimmed meniscus. Kind of trim the meniscus back yeah. a little bit. It's kind of like when you got your hair too long. You just trim it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you ever, right. You ever get your meniscus trimmed? No. Uh, I, I was fortunate, he man. He had an MCL, though. Yeah, had some mm -hmm. MCL, but never had to go get the knees under the knife, which is big. For sure. If... James Conner can't go this weekend. All of a sudden, you're pretty thin at running back with Jalen Samuels being the guy, and he's coming off of knee surgery as well. Yeah, it's it's pretty touch and go right now. I mean, it, the, the good thing is that they did allow Samuels that extra week to kind of rest up, heal up. I mean, he was good to go Monday night against the Dolphins. I don't know if the Steelers figured we might not need to pull out all the stops against the Dolphins, but regardless of the reason why, uh, they didn't run him out there. They gave him one more week to get better, and uh, he should be 100% or better than that if possible uh, in this one against the Colts. And might be the heaviest workload that he's had since yeah. last year when yeah. he was filling in for James Conner. I mean, like you said, Wes, we don't know what the status of James is going to be knowing him. He's going to try to play through it, but I don't know. With not practicing yesterday and, and kind of reading between the lines of Mike Tomlin's comments and James's own comments earlier in the week I, I kind of wonder if he's going to be out there on Sunday you need to be safe about it too if it's an injury that is can be you know, worsened or re-injured right. by playing on it which it seems like it is then you don't want that to happen so uh, Trey Edmonds too yeah I mean he might get as as much run as a backup than he's ever had in his career and I'd be curious to see if uh, you know a, a couple weeks after having to call up Trey Edmonds the Steelers will have to promote another running back from the P squad to, to get some uh, work here on the active roster and get get one of those nice fat 53-man games. Hey, checks. nothing like it, baby. <laughs> now, when we're looking at those running backs, though, are you confident with just that element of it, though? When yeah, I like Jalen Samuels okay. a lot. I, I think he can – that was a big question about him coming in in the draft, right? Was it, He wasn't necessarily seen as a workhorse running right. back, but he was – so much better as a pure runner at the end of last season than no I doubt. expected yeah. that I'm not too concerned about him sort of taking on that role for whether it's one week, two weeks, however long they might need him to do it. I don't know about Trey Edmonds' playmaking ability behind him, but they might have to go old school on him and, and just sort of run the wheels off Jalen <laughs> Samuels until they get a little healthier back there. Well, and we will say this, right? When we saw Jalen Samuels throughout the preseason, we thought that he was primary – 
pretty much their best running back in terms of just the optics standpoint, what we're seeing in those games. So I do agree, but I just think it's super thin, man, when you're going Jalen Samuels, who's not even a big back. True. Yeah, he's he's smaller than yeah. James. Yeah, and then after that, obviously, Trey Edmonds and then the potential of a Darren Hall. I think that's how you say it, right, Hall? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Former pit man. Yeah, man, held a pit. Yeah, what do you – because you covered him. him. Yeah, yeah, did, yeah. Hey, that's yeah, a yeah give us the inside. Yeah, Come on, the man. Inside I saw Darren, Darren in, in the locker room last year – or uh, yesterday for the first time since last year, I guess, when I was covering pit in the old uh, – what was it? The Sun Bowl down in El Paso. Was that so. the that, was that wasn't three nothing game? El was it? Paso. <laughs> no, that was that was a long time ago. That was yeah. That, that was, was a, a Sun Bowl ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, this Sun Bowl wasn't much. Was that better, really though. a decade ago? Yeah. You Man, old? I'm old. You're getting up. You're getting up there, West. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Darren Hall, really nice player last year at Pitt. Went for over a thousand yards in the same backfield as did Quadri Olison. Their okay. run game was just punishing. Last season, it's it's why they were uh, so good and won the ACC Coastal Division, made it to that ACC Championship game. I don't know if Darren has the shiftiness or, or maybe that elite top-level speed that you look for in an NFL back, but he, he got a chance in the preseason with the, the Green Bay Packers. He, he did some numbers there. He had a couple nice games, but a tough situation for him with the makeup of that roster. I mean, you see their running backs and yeah. what they're doing. It, right. the Packers are, like, sneaky with the best running back <laughs> duo in the NFL maybe right now, arguably, with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So uh, he, he got cut by them and, and was just kind of waiting for his next chance. And obviously the Steelers always have a little extra familiarity with those guys who played at Pitt. And uh, he gets brought in here. He's wearing number 42. I just saw him out on the practice field. Such and, uh, a nice number four football running back. <laughs> absolutely. And, uh, yeah, really, really nice kid. Was very smart, good in, in school at Pitt, and uh, had a, a daughter about a year ago. And I wrote about that when I covered the Panthers. And that's kind of been his driving force uh, for his senior year and, and now trying to chase the NFL dream. I like it. And not only banged up in the running back room, but the offensive line is well, too. Pouncey dealing with the calf, didn't practice yesterday. Big ragu, Ramon Foster, still in the concussion protocol, did not practice yesterday. Are you optimistic about those guys being able to go on Sunday? I am, especially Pouncey. I mean, he talked this morning and, and basically said the calf's not a huge deal. Wednesday's his usual day off during the week regardless. So he took and those his, guys are both veterans. Correct. He took his vet day. Ramon, we saw him down there in the locker room as well. Uh, he was saying what's up to everyone, as he does, so he seems to be in, in pretty good spirits. But concussion protocol is, as Mike Tomlin called it, a mystical place on Tuesday. <laughs> so uh, you just never know. I mean, you got to be safe with that stuff, especially in 2019. They've got all the steps that you need to clear, and uh, that's that's all up to you know Ramon right now and the independent neurological consultants or whatever they call it that they bring in. So we'll see. But uh, even if Ramon maybe can't go – got to feel good about B.J. Finney. I mean, that's Absolutely. why he's around. That's why he's the de facto sixth man. And, and they got the job done Monday night with him, albeit yep. against the Dolphins. But James Conner was running well behind the left side of that line even mm -hmm. after Ramon went out. Other than the Patriots, obviously, are the Colts going to be the best team that the Steelers have played to this point in the season? Most complete team. I don't think so. I think Ravens. I like Seattle and Baltimore better than, than Indy. I mean, the, the Colts are – I give them credit. I, I was writing them off after the Andrew Luck retirement. I, I thought they were headed for a 5-11, and 6-10, and 10, also ran in the AFC South type of season. And maybe they could still backslide, but it, it looks like they are a lot more formidable than, than me and, and some others gave them credit for. And a lot of that starts with 
Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Yes. He's playing better than I expected he would. Um, I guess that's maybe not surprising given that he started with the, the Belichick-Tom Brady system up in New England, so you know that he knows what he's doing and at that position. He's got Frank position. Reich coaching him now. He's got Frank Reich, played a couple years ago in place of Andrew Lux, got a big arm, knew that about him coming out of NC State. And he has State. protection with that offensive line. Too, and that man. offensive line, great point, is really, really good. I don't love the, the skill position guys for Indy, but they're getting the job done so far for the most part. I mean, T.Y. Hilton – Still T. Y. Hilton, right? But after that, you're you're kind of. Uh, I guess your next best smoking mirrors is what Ebron. You go Ebron and then Marlon Mack or Marlon Mack then Ebron. Oh, I, I've yeah, always I'm liked about Jack Doyle. Oh, <laughs> I've always loved Ebron as a the idea of Ebron. You know, like but yes. it seems like every time you get out there, you've probably had him on your fantasy team. He's yeah. dropping passes. Yeah. He makes a great catch, but then it's like a, a head scratcher of a, a mistake. So uh, one thing I want to look at tonight when I you know, watch some Colts tape and really do a deep dive on them is how much they're using Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle together uh, in that 11 personnel with the two tight ends. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a ton, but uh, the, both of those guys are really productive, and, and that's at a position where the Steelers have struggled to, to stop opposing teams in the past. True. Is the biggest matchup of the game the Steelers' pass rush against the Colts' offensive line? Is that the biggest X factor on Sunday afternoon? I think so. I think it probably is when you look at what other teams have been trying to do to attack Mason Rudolph. Now, granted, he's not as experienced as Jacoby Brissett, but anytime you, you've got a quarterback in there who uh, is the, kind of the backup and hasn't played a ton, you're going to want to throw a lot at him and, and get him rattled, get him under pressure. Uh, that's been working for the Steelers in, in their victories, uh, even against the guy as seasoned as, as Phillip Rivers. It, it worked yeah. great. So, uh, you know, you've had to replace Stephon Tewitt since then went just fine on Monday night against a team that might go 0-16. We'll see how it works against a team that, uh, you know, like you guys said, might have the best all-around offensive line in football. A lot of guys with high pedigree or high draft picks. They've invested a lot in there wisely because if they'd have done that earlier, maybe Andrew Luck wouldn't Still have been. You know, what could have been. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're protecting Brissett really well. But uh, Keith Butler and company need to figure out some ways schematically to – you know, throw some different blitz packages at him, maybe throw something at him that they haven't seen on tape and uh, maybe get a little more creative than they probably had to be against a, a Miami yeah. line that was overmatched just based on the personnel. Yeah, and another thing with that, they definitely have to make sure they contain Brissett because if you watch the uh, the Broncos game, yes. it was a ton of times where Brissett is just extending plays, breaking tackles, sacks, and making something out of nothing. Yeah, there was that one play he, he Von Miller. Were, Von Miller, yeah. yeah they were backed up deep to the, the goal line. Then they were crossing the game. That and, was the uh, drive they, uh, they went ahead on. And got the fling. Wasn't quite Aaron Rodgers' fling against <laughs> oh, the Chiefs no. on uh, on Sunday night, but it was it was a pretty nice it little uh, pretty nice little bullet downfield. Yeah, to T.Y. Hilton. All right, before we get your prediction, you know, and hold your feet to the fire like we always do, David chimes in on Twitter here. He says, this one is for Bacco. Uh-oh. More terrifying. And he lists three options here. Don't okay. <laughs> Lima Swede's hands. Oh. Antonio Brown's feet. Oh. Or Neil O'Donnell's accuracy in a Super Bowl. Jeez. Buddy, David, in a wow. landslide, A.B.'s feet. <laughs> I will never be able to unsee <laughs> that photo that he put on the gram. Yeah, that was bad. That was, that was, that was bad. Halloween well before uh, October 31st got here. That was that was frightening. That should be someone's costume. I don't yeah, know. I remind me of like that, the, the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbits, when they just showed the feet the cool. one time. You're like, oh, what is that? Oh, that those was, hairy yeah, feet. Yeah, just nasty. Oh. That was rough. 
Yeah, man. All right, Brian Backo, five and two in your predictions on the show this year so uh -oh, far. Pretty uh -oh. good. Okay. Pretty, I mean, uh -huh. he'd be tied for the lead in the AFC North right now if he was a yeah. team. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. Yeah, Team Backo, baby. <laughs> Not, nobody believed in the Steelers against the Dolphins, so I'm going to pat myself on the back. Yeah, hey, man. Well, that's like you know, I told Moats yesterday. We do our, our power rankings on Wednesday. We call it Best of the West, and and I give my top ten teams, and he critiques me. And I had the Patriots at the top of my list because I'm the only person who believes in the Patriots. There nobody right believes. Now, in them. Everybody writes them off. Nobody. Yeah, they always in have those the most guys. doubters and haters. Yeah. I know. Yeah. There's so much adversity. Walking around, walking around with a lace sized yeah. chip on their shoulder. All right. I'll say this first, though, for my score prediction: Steelers Dolphins last week. I think I said twenty three ten. So not exact, but. I just, said, I just said just they weren't right. going to cover. I said they're not covering. Yeah, I said it would be close. I, I got that spread just right. Uh. All right, Mr. Mister All-Knowing Oracle, how, okay. does it, how does it play out on Sunday at Heinz Field? Hmm. I'm going to say that it's a little more high scoring than it, would, it should be on paper, but I've got a feeling the Steelers pull this one out. Mason has another good game. I'm going to go Steelers 30 Colts 26. Mm. Ooh. I like that. Okay. I like it. So – we haven't it, had a fun game like that, really. No. At least not one that the Steelers have been able to win. You know? Right. So the Steelers are getting a point, right? Colts are favored by one point. I believe so. Is that yes. the, the last thing that I saw? So Steelers to win. And no, no. I thought the uh, I thought the Steelers were favored by one. Unless it shifted. Yeah. I thought the Colts came in as as a favorite on Sunday. Well, regardless, it doesn't yeah. matter. I'll tell to you in a second. saying four-point victory. Steelers plus one. Yeah, it was Steelers because it's at home. That was the one thing I no, kept Steelers plus one. Oh, excuse, excuse, yeah, 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 yeah. they're down. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm still working I'm on this. This whole money, you know, the money line and the and odds he, and the and over the under here because yeah. as a player he never gambled. But exactly. As, right. yeah. The over under is only forty two and a half from what I'm seeing, so I'm going way over that. Ooh, yeah, there's an there's okay. an additional bold. call, an additional I call. Like there. it. We love it. As always, he joins us on Thursdays. We appreciate the time, Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Find his work there. And find him on Twitter at Brian Backo. Happy Halloween. Have fun trick-or-treating. Happy Halloween. We'll yes, talk to you indeed. next week when we come back. Slow starts have been a problem for the Steelers. We want to talk about that with Motsi, and we'll continue some of these most terrifying Steelers discussions. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. Your 24-7 home of the black and gold. This is Stephon Tewitt of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're listening to Steeler Nation Radio. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Euler Emotes with you here inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz, hour number two. You want to chime in? You already know the drill. At Wesley Euler at the Body 52 on Twitter. Look at you, man. I can't even go right now. You know why? Because you are doing phenomenal with your. Good afternoon, Pittsburgh. How you doing? Oh, that's fine. Well, hold on. It's Steeler Nation. Oh, right? excuse if, me, if, Steeler I mean, Nation. If you're going to mock me, at How least you do doing? so correctly. It's fine. I like that, man. Yo. All right, all right, all right. I'm here now. I'm ready. I'm focused. <laughs> We're broadcasting live <laughs> from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Getting ready look at for Steelers. Look, just look at you go. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, we got to get a live. We, we need to get a live cam in here just so people can see the struggle that is me 
not laughing at you while I'm trying to go through go through my radio guy's spiels. Because as soon as you hit him, I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> we started the show with a bang today. We started off fast like we always do with the juice, with the energy. Oh, yeah. That's one thing, Motsi, that the Steelers have not been very good at this year. Mm. Uh, if you take out the Chargers game, right, so take out the trip to L.A., where the Steelers had a lot of success in the first quarter, they're averaging about three points per first quarter in their other games. That's not great. Combined with the fact that they've fallen behind, right, in a lot of these as well, too. Right. So I know it's, it's, it's like when you go to the doctor, right, and you say, oh, my chest hurts. And my belly hurts and my neck hurts. There's more than one thing that plays a part in that usually. Right. But at the same time, there is usually one main culprit that the doctors can identify. What's been the problem for the Steelers and how do they go about you know, correcting that and, and getting things going, coming out of the gate stronger in, in the first half and in the first quarter? Man, I think the biggest thing is cutting down on the turnovers and then possession downs. Those are the things that we've seen them struggle with at different facets in multiple weeks in terms of early on success and the lack thereof. Having to extend these drives, getting a, at least two first downs on opening possession is huge. That's ultimately what gets your offense going to get you in a groove. We see that pick up and transpire after the fact, after you know they've had the ball twice, but they need to come out the gate with that. And the other, like I said, the turnover element. We saw a turnover with uh, Mason last week, that that was a huge part of the game. And another one that and the Steelers then, were absolutely. fortunate enough to get away with. Yeah, so those are the two things that I think of as it pertains to this Steelers team with Mason as the quarterback. Now, it was different when it was Duck as the quarterback. It was different when it was Ben as the quarterback. But with Mason, those are the things that I notice. He, he looks like he takes a little bit of time to get it going. And those are just the things that he's going to have to make an adjustment. And I think also Randy Feekner – is going to have to make adjustments, too, with some of the calls that he's making in terms of getting him some completions early on that's going to put him in very advantageous situations. Sure. and Build very, his confidence, right, let him and, get his feet wet. And very manageable third downs. I take it back to the Cincinnati game where they had a big you know, third down, possession down early in the game, and they got stopped on it. And those are some of the things that I say to myself with Mason out there. They have to find ways to extend these drives early on to get his confidence going and get him rolling. So for Mason specifically, right, what's that look like? Uh, you, you mentioned Randy Feetner. Is it something they can do? We know, right, offenses like to script plays. Correct. Right? First they, 15, baby. First 15, they like to, okay, this is how we think we can attack this team. This is what we think we do best against these guys. This is how we want to come out, you know, in our first series or two and, and kind of script how we're going to look on offense. Is, is that a big part of it for Mason, or is it honestly – Maybe just as much as Steelers fans don't want to hear this because, again, the Steelers' margin of error is, is, is tiny at this point, but it's just something that takes time and experience, and, and Mason needs some more starts under his belt. Yeah, it definitely is the latter. You have to have more starts in your belt. You have to feel more comfortable, and the only way you're going to do that is by spending more time on the field. This kid hasn't even had the opportunity to start you know, four or five games consecutively. He's had to miss time or he wasn't starting because of Ben early in the season. So all of those things have played into it. But at the end of the day, that's just the situation that he's dealing with right now. I do think we're going to continue to see him get better and continue to see him develop. And even when you're looking at this coach defense, 
versus the pass, he's going to have some opportunities. He's going to have a chance to get that confidence going and potentially have a very good performance against them. And that Colts defense is really good versus the run. So in terms of if you had to have a week where, hey, the running game might not be up to par, I feel like this is one of the best weeks to have that. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Just a little preview, you know. Yeah, you yeah. Know. We'll, we'll deep dive into our scouting report tomorrow. But that's you know, that's a good call by you. Particularly, I think, right, when you consider how banged up that Colts secondary is Absolutely. at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mark chimes in here on Twitter, at Wesley Euler at the body 52 The body. Wondering about the slow starts, is it more on the game plan or is it more on the players? Who do you put the onus on more? I think it falls on both. In particular, from the offensive side. Yeah, I guess it's probably more an offense versus off a defense right. conversation there, too. Yeah, because I think defense has been starting out fast. They've been starting out, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, out the gate playing extremely well. But the offense is – the reason I say it's both is this. When you're talking about those first, those first 15 plays, Randy Feekner, the OC, he draws up what he thinks is going to be guaranteed successful plays regardless right. of what they're trying to do. He feels like these are the plays that, this hey, is what this we is do. surefire. Our bread and butter. Right. If you have a trick play, it typically happens in the first 15 or right before the half. Like, these are the times where you're thinking of certain situations where something like that will happen. So, when you're not having success in your first 15 plays and it's not a talent issue, because let's be real, it's not like the Steelers have a lack of offensive talent. No. They just have not the Miami Dolphins. Right. And, and that's what I'm saying in terms of. The first 15, yes, these plays should be scripted perfectly for these guys to be in successful situations. That's one side of it. But the second side is these guys actually have to go out there and make it happen. I think about two weeks ago, the Chargers game, the double move play, that was the first 15 play that would have been a strike, a big play, potentially a touchdown, but it was an underthrown pass. Could have blown that game open right from the start. Those are the things that I think of. I think of when I watched Mason on film versus the Dolphins and how some of his passes were late, some of his reads where he was a little slow on. Regardless of what was the call, these are things that he has to do fast, he has to do better, he has to be more efficient at in order for him to be a successful quarterback. The second half, he was playing a lot more comfortably, releasing the ball on schedule. But that first half, those first 15 plays, you're seeing him holding the ball too much, and that's the player side of it. So that's why I say it's hard to just say it's solely on a coach or solely on the players because the coaches have to get the players in the right positions. But at the end of the day, I don't care if you call the best call ever. Randy Feekner's not going out there and throwing that ball. Randy sure. Feekner's not going out there and blocking. He's not running the ball or catching the ball. So it does fall on the players in that regard. There's no stat, right, for, oh, well, this guy was open, but the quarterback didn't make the throw. Right Or this right. read was there, but the quarterback didn't make the – we have no way to quantify that, and a lot of it's opinion-based even too. Mm -hmm. Now you'll have people, right, uh, like Bob Labriola has said this, like Matt Williamson who does a show here on SNR has said this. Mike Pursuta from the DVE Morning Show has said this too. If you go back and watch the film, the Steelers' wide receivers have been getting open. There's been space there. Oh, yeah. It's the willingness to throw the ball and go out and make those plays. Well, it was a play in the first half last week where Juju has his man beat. By like three or four yards, would have been a touchdown, but it was an underthrown pass, ends up getting broken up. Like, those are some of the things you look at, and you're like, if you just make this throw, if you step into it and you really unleash it, well, then, yeah, that's a touchdown right there, and it's a totally different narrative that would have been in the first half, but instead it was underthrown. Then you look at in the second half, he starts to make a lot better throws, but it's just certain things that you're seeing on tape where you're just like, man, I know he's young, and that's 
really where this is from. It's not a, oh, he's not capable of doing this because, yeah, he's capable of making a 30-yard pass. But when you're young and you're not as confident in what you're seeing, you're not as confident in your ability at this level, you hesitate. You you second-guess certain things instead of him just chucking it where he might say to himself, I don't want to overthrow this thing, Sure. so let me make sure I put some air under it. Ah, oh, but then I, I put too much air under it, now I get the defender an opportunity to step into this and make a play. These are some of the things that you deal with as a young player, and in particular as the quarterback, where all eyes are on you, where right. this offense goes as you go. These are all the things that he has to deal with on a daily basis. And then you factor in the fact that you got still a nation hitting him with the, oh, yeah. hit the duck man out there. Oh, yeah. I mean, that doesn't help the situation in terms of him, but that's and the it, nature it, of the beast. And he's coming in six quarters into the season for a future Hall of Famer. Right. On a team, like he said, I really like this from Mason. I'm sure you heard this when he was asked about being booed after the game. He said, I would have been booing too. Yeah. Like, this is Steelers <laughs> Nation. There's a standard here, right? It's not like Mason is making his first starts for – the Cincinnati Bengals. Correct. You know, or the Miami Dolphins or the New York Jets. Like, people in Pittsburgh, it doesn't matter. They expect a win. It's a great problem to have. <laughs> I always tell people it's the gift and the curse. I tell people, man, when I played here in Pittsburgh versus my time in Buffalo, I said my four years here, we won three out of four AFC North championships, mm-hmm. playoffs every year, AFC championship game one year, had a number two season. Double digit wins every season, right? Absolutely. Every season had double digit wins, and I always felt like we failed. Whereas if I was in Buffalo and we did anything (laughs) close to that, they would have had a parade for us. Oh, if the Bills won three out of four divisions? That's just. just, You know how many tables would get broken in Buffalo? And and that's what I tell people. I'm like, I mean, it's it's great to be on this platform, it's great to be on this, this organization where the standard is that. But at the same time, you have to understand that. You can't just view it from, oh, it's all, you know, butterflies and rainbows when you're winning and people love you because you got the the flip side of that where all those people will critique you because they feel like if you're not winning a Super Bowl, if you're not blowing teams out and you're not doing it every week, then you need to get up out of here. And that's just how it is, man. You got to take the good with the bad, though, in that regard. Oh, it's And it's like that right in every sport with, with different – franchises and different when, when the expectation is right. that yes if, me as a WVU fan right if we won the big 12 championship i would lose my mind right for oklahoma football fans winning the big 12 championship that's it's just another it's expected right. yes it's no it's, different than alabama it's ex- expected exactly exactly you know it's the same way with the, the new york yankees as opposed to the pittsburgh pirates right, right? the pirates haven't won the division since i was two years old wow the Yankees haven't had a losing season in like 15 years. Right. Since you were two years old. Since, oh, <laughs> man, now you got jokes, huh? <laughs> Euler Emotes with you here on Steelers Nation Radio. Some fun stuff going on today. We got three question Thursday coming up next. I got some good ones for Motsi today. We've also had this side plot. If you've been listening to the show, you know what I'm talking about. If you're just joining us, where I've been asking Motsi, I've been throwing out two Steeler names, right, and on in honor of today being Halloween. Who's the most terrifying, right? So we had Jerome Bettis or Heinz Ward. We had Brett the Kiesel Diesel against Casey Snacks Hampton. We had Kevin Green against Jack Lambert. I got some more for you here. All right, Uh-oh. you ready? Okay. Troy Polamalu or Donnie Shell? Oh. oh. Donnie Shell. Oh, he was nasty. Oh, oh. man. But you know where my loyalty lies. I told you, in my house, there's three jerseys hung up. Mine, Sid the Kid, and Troy Palomalu. So with that being said, I'm going TP, a.k.a. Baby Jesus. Yeah, I'm going Troy Palomalu. And I know Donnie Shell changed the game. 
Oh, yeah. And man, he broke a lot of ribs. Yes, it was the human missile, right? The human missile. Yeah, yeah. But I have a joke. You know, I say this to Tunch and Wolf sometimes to get under their skin. If it happened before I was born, it didn't really happen. Ooh. <laughs> That's what I, I say that to Tunch and Wolf sometimes to, get, to get their blood boiling. Yeah. So, you know, Donnie Shell happened before I happened, before I came to this yeah. earth. So I'll go with Troy Palomalu as well. One more for you before we go to break here. Let's go back to the offensive side of the football. This is you'd be proud of me. This is the only I only had two offensive matchups. And, and on I did here. like that a lot. Even though you threw Hans Ward in, I'm like, ah, gosh, like So so Bussin Ward was my one offensive matchup. Just this thinking is, about getting blindsided. This <laughs> is the other one here. I think you'll like this one. Uh oh. Alan Fanica or Mike Webster? Oh <laughs> two of the best ever at their ever. positions. Ever. Wow. I feel bad because like Fanica's been getting snubbed through this Hall of Fame thing for so long. But I feel like I got to snub him because with Webby, he had my he had that 5-2, and I tell you, that was my number, like, mm-hmm. throughout my whole life. Before you got to Pittsburgh, Before right? Before I came here, and I really, like, learned more about Webster. I was like, wow, this dude's a man. Or, excuse me, he was a man. Yeah, I got to go with Webby, man. I got to. I got to. Can't until, do it. Until I, hate, this- I, I hate for Fanica to get snubbed again in anything <laughs> because he's a great guy. I like him a lot. He's super cool. But, yeah, I got to go with Mike. The longest-tenured Steeler until Ben Roethlisberger right. broke his record this year. Yeah, man. Uh, certainly, like I said, two of the best at their position. That's what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm trying to give you these where it's, there's real no wrong answer, you know? I, I, you're right. I'm putting you on the spot here. You are, though. <laughs> and that will continue when we come Jeez. back because it's three-question Thursday. This before we get to the three-question Thursday? Three-pack of questions for Arthur wow. Motes. If you want to chime in on our most terrifying debate or if you got any questions about the Steelers and the Colts this weekend, you know the drill. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at TheBody52. TheBody. Three-question Thursday when we return live from the south side. It's Euler and Motes inside the Electric Factory Steelers Blitz on SNR. The pulse of Steelers Nation. This crowd loves it. You're listening to Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Thursday afternoon inside the electric factory. You already know what that means. It's time for three questions. Mm. Thursday. Say it again. Three questions. Thursday. One more time. Trace. Questiores. Man, you know what? I actually should know this. Yeah, what are you doing, man? Thursday is uh, lunes, martes, mercules, jueves. Jueves, right? It's Thursday. Trace. Questiones jueves. Three Uh, question Thursday. Okay. (laughs) Here on the Steelers Blitz. For those of you unfamiliar, quick little primer. I ask Arthur Motes three inquisitive Meant to be thought-provoking questions. Inquisitive. Look at you using the big words today. I, I like to have two of them be directly related to sports, usually football, you know, hard-hitting football questions, but outside of the Steelers' bubble. And then usually I like to uh, to throw in a uh, maybe a little bit of outside-of-the-box one for Arthur Motes as well, too. Uh, spoiler alert, today's Halloween, so I bet you can <gasps> guess where I'm Ooh. going. But let's start where we always do. Okay. Three-question Thursday, question number one, Arthur Motes. 
You know, I was thinking about this today. That's like the first thing I do on Thursdays when I get here, you right? You think about me? So, well, I mean, I'm thinking about you all the time. There we go. Okay. I get in here, right? I set everything up for Tunch and Wolf. I make sure they're good to go. I go down the hallway to the nice little station that the Steelers have here for us. I get myself a coffee or a tea or, you know, something to something to get the – It's a nice the, machine over there, it's, right? It's awesome. Yeah. That's it's Starbucks, that Starbucks yes. coffee and a billion different kinds of tea. I, Just I had, push the button. I had some tea today, you know, because I've been doing a lot of radio these past two weeks. And oh. I didn't want the voice to get a little hoarse. You know, I needed some Honey. Hey, gotta stay ahead of it. So I get my drink and I come down here, and right away, my biggest task of the day is I gotta, you know, I gotta have good three questions for Moats today. <laughs> All right, I'll let the rest of the show go underprepared as long as I got three good questions for Arthur Moats. And I think I got a doozy here for Ooh, you, okay, for okay. number one. There are three future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I think certainly two of them. Three quarterbacks who are the best quarterback that their franchise has ever seen, who are all getting up there in age. And are all set to be free agents this summer. Okay. Tom Brady. Uh-huh. Drew Brees. And Phillip Rivers. Oh. Fair to say, right? Okay, Rivers, his Hall of Fame status, we know. It'll, it'll be highly debated when he retires. But True. Those three, easily, right? The best quarterbacks in their franchise history. Yes. I, I think, without a doubt. Well, unless you count Dan, Dan Fouts. Yeah, but isn't, yeah. isn't Rivers better? Yeah, I would take Rivers. Okay. I think. Those three, uh, 40, what, 42 years old Brady is, 41 years old Breeze is. Rivers the new 20, man. You know that. Rivers is 37, 38. That same draft class year as Ben Roethlisberger. All three free agents after this season, Arthur Motes, who's the most likely to leave to pull a Joe Montana Ooh. and finish their legendary career elsewhere? I'm leaning towards Brady, man. Woo! I feel like, man, I'm just hearing the reports from Shefty. I trust Shefty because Shefty gets all the info. Like he his, does. his source is like somebody's like he doesn't put something <laughs> out there unless he's uh, confident in it. I don't think his sources are even GMs. I think they're like the presidents of these organizations. Like, yeah, who, who you're the owner? Yeah, yeah, you're my you're my source. Tell me what's really going on here. Well, his source is like Giselle, probably. Right? Like, like holy cow, man. But uh, I think with him because Drew Brees. He's still, you know, just in a love affair with New Orleans. They got that Teddy Bridgewater there. No, nah, they're already talking. If, if that was going to be the case, they would have left Teddy as the starter this past week when Drew was coming back from an injury. Even his hand was still taped up. But, yeah, when they did that, I was like, yeah, they love Drew. Drew's like God down there, man. Hey, I mean, the Saints were the ain'ts until right. he came to town. Absolutely, man. And then he was there, obviously, for the whole Katrina situation. So he's, That's like, true. super invested That's a great into point that area, by you man. Too, yeah. Whereas – when I think about Phillip Rivers, granted, he never wanted to leave San Diego. But even with them going to L.A., I think he's still fully committed to being the quarterback for them out there. And, I mean, he has, what, nine kids? You can't just pick up nine kids and relocate that? Come on, man. Like, what? <laughs> nine kids? You know how many You know how many schools? Nine kids? Hey, um, yeah, I know my kids are in uh, seventh grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 12th grade. I got a newborn. I got a third year, third grader. One hey, in kindergarten. And we need all of them to come to your school right now. What? Huh? What? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So with that being said, I don't think Phil's going to be leaving anytime soon. But with Brady, man, they say it might be a little trouble in paradise. A little power struggle between him and Darth Belichick. You know, who came first, the chicken or the egg? And those are the things that you can see them battling back and forth. TB12, you know, house is up on the markets up there, man. Yes, his trainer's house is on the yeah, market, too. Yeah. I mean, who wants to buy a $40 million house in Foxborough? Come on, man. Who, yeah, you know. Uh, I'm paying $40 million for a house. I better be on the French coast or what, the, what, the what, Keys. But or... you could go half on it. Like, I'll go half, you go half. We'll be good. 60-40. Oh, man. 
All right, that works. All right, fine. Let's do it. I'll, I'll like move it. to Foxborough. Yeah, let's do it, man. We'll just broadcast live from Foxborough. That's right. We could take one of these bi- one of these Conrexes with us, and we'll just do the show from there. Yeah. So with that being said, <laughs> You're going I gotta Brady. say Brady, man. What say you though? I say Philip Rivers. Wow. And now you are a family man. I'm not. Well, I mean, I'm married. But, wow. But oh, no children. Say, no children. All right, Morgan. You heard him. Uh, no children. Yeah, all right. Okay. All right. And all right. You, and, and and you have three children. So you know. Why you put my government out there. You put on my info out there like that, man. Yeah, his social security number is one nine zero. This is crazy. Five two. This is crazy. <laughs> You've got kids, and so you can speak to that. I cannot. So that yeah. is a great point by you. Moving with nine kids, uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's I'm sure a struggle. Everybody's but situated now. The reason I'm saying Philip Rivers is, I know you've heard this. He hasn't been very happy throughout this season. About the fact that they moved to Los Angeles. Correct. About the fact that they essentially never play any home games. They play mm-hmm. eight road games and at best eight neutral site games. Correct. But really more like when the Steelers and the Broncos and some of these fan bases are rolling into town and taking right. over their stadium. I think he is unhappy with ownership in Los Angeles. And yes, he, I'm sure, sees on the horizon that beautiful new facility that's being built for them and the Rams, but he knows that that's the Rams' house, right? It's like the Giants and the Jets sharing like a the facility. It's like the Lakers and the Clippers. It's like the Lakers and the Clippers sharing a facility. Everybody knows who it really belongs to. I could see Phillip Rivers, a team like the Chicago Bears, a team like, oh, man, the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, because they're going to believe and miss you. Listen, listen. Philip Rivers, I have a hard time believing he's leaving sunny, sunny San Diego. To go to frigid Chicago. To go to Chicago. Nine kids, wifey ain't having that, man. I have a hard time. All right, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat hey, here hey, for especially you. Especially this late in his career. It's not like he's young. <laughs> the Niners finished like 14-2 and two this year, right? Uh-huh. Then they get to the playoffs, and the only reason that they can't get over the hump is because Jimmy G wasn't good enough. Okay. Philip Rivers stays in California but goes to the Niners. And what they going to do with that contract from Jimmy G? I don't know. Rip it up and oh, put it gosh. in the shredder. <laughs> All right. I say Philip Rivers. You say Tom Brady. Who? I think we can both agree it's not Breeze. Yeah, Breeze not going Breeze is not going anywhere. It's not happening. That was Three Question Thursday, number one. Again, if you want to chime in on all any of this as we go along on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the Body 52 The Body. Last night, Arthur Motes, the Washington Nationals, won the World Series. The Nats. Um, we're going to take the Lombardi Trophy out of this, right? Because mm. I know that that would be your answer, and this is a football show. Wow. So other than the Vince Lombardi Trophy, okay. if you, Arthur Motes, could win any championship trophy, which one would it be? And Get- mind you, this can include college sports as well, too. I already know well, what I want. Too. I already know. You don't, have to, you don't have to prep me. Give me Lord Stanley's yeah. cup because when you get the cup, when you win the cup, you get your name, you on, get, it. You get your name on it, but you get to party with the cup. Drink out. Oh, man, you take it forever. Listen, I was good friends with Chris Kunitz, and when he won the, the, oh, the Stanley humble, humble Cup brag. and he brought it to the neighborhood, just seeing the white glove service that the, the, they got personal security. Philip Pritchard, you got yeah, to meet that guy. Yeah, they, they got personal, like, cup holders. They come with the white gloves. They take wherever you need to take it. You can party with it, drink out of it. Eat out of it. Eat out of it. Do whatever you need. Put your toddler in there and take Do whatever you want to do with the cup. That's, like, one of the most craziest but dopest ways to, like, just walk around like, yeah, I'm the man. And for me, I was like, you're not getting that with the the Super Bowl with the Lombardi. You're not getting that with the, uh, was it Davey O'Brien? Yep. 
you're not the getting World that. Series. Yeah, World Series, you're not getting that. They, even the they, World Cup, they I don't put say, your name on there. Even uh, collegiately, they, they they put the school's name. Right. You're not getting that for, right. from an NCAA football standpoint or a basketball standpoint. But with that Stanley Cup, man, and just when you're touching, like you see the history no doubt. on the cup. You see the different deans. Cordy Howe and yeah, Wayne Gretzky. The names, which you can see like it's been banged up a little bit because it's, it's just some rough times with that. I love that. Yeah, me too. Like for me, I'm just like, yo, that, like if I win one, that's how you have to party with it. And that's, yeah, for and me, you, that's why I love your that Your name's one. on there for, like, 63 years, I yeah, think. it's crazy, man. It's, without a doubt, that's my answer. So I'll give yeah. you – I'll explain what my second – what my runner-up would be. Mm-hmm. It would be to win March Madness, to win college basketball, <sighs> not necessarily because of the trophy, yeah. but just to, to be the champion of March Madness, of the single elimination tournament that – One of the hardest every, tournaments to ever play in. Everybody in the country makes a bracket and is tuned yeah. in. I think it'd be really cool to be able to, to mm-hmm. have that experience of playing six games, all single elimination, well, I was gonna win say, them all. When you're talking from a sports standpoint, that tournament is probably the toughest tournament next to the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, when you think about just the amount of talent, the amount of teams, and just what's on the line. And you, every two games you're moving around the country, right. it's too. Not, it's not even like you're staying in the same place over and over. Like for New England, for example. They have home field advantage. They're not moving. They're not leaving until right. it's Super Bowl. Right. And they have a bye to start it out. And NCAA, no. You're balling. And those 16 seeds aren't buys anymore. Not at all. You're playing whoever, neutral site, get it how you live. And it, then when you win, you got to play less than the next 40. day. Yeah, yeah. you got to play like 30 hours later. Right. So that's the thing that makes that tournament just so tough. And like you said, the excitement, the energy around it. I, 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 yeah. It's the best. Like in terms of what I want to play in, that's the tournament I want to play in. Like the if trophy I, we yes. want to win is the Stanley Cup, but right. the tournament we want to win is March Madness. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that one. All right. So we've been pretty close on the same page here so far. All right. Last one for you, Arthur Motes. Today is Halloween. Oh. What has been the best Halloween costume that mm. Arthur Motes has ever worn? Favorite best. Wherever you want to go with this. All right, let's see. Man, this is a good one. I guess my – I have two. Okay. Technically two and a half. I like to dress up, obviously. My uh, my number one favorite, though, I win is Batman. My third year in Buffalo, I'm talking like the full Batman tights, suit, natural body armor, none of that fake blow-up stuff, nah – but I had, like, the legit, like, Batman mask. And I remember, like, trying to drive in it. Like, yeah, I have no peripheral at all. It was kind of crazy. But I loved it, though. So that was that. And, and then we had the whole family did it. You know, wifey was Batwoman. Then nice. My, my, my two girls at the time were a little Batgirl, Batbaby. Then my next one, though. My next – actually, my next two. I go my next one, though. My next one, my son. This was last year. My son dresses up as me, Arthur Motes, the football oh, player for the Steelers. Oh, nice. I like so that. So he has the Steelers helmet, the 55 Motes jersey, towel, gloves, pants, cleats, socks, the whole shebang. I love it. And I dress up as the referee, the head ump, the white cap. Whistle on me, flag, everything. And it was just cool, man, because he loves football. And Were you now, flagging him? Oh, all you the time? better believe it, man. He was giving me a little lip back too, man. <laughs> you took the almond joy over yeah, the Reese's. That's you know, a fifteen yard. I'm blowing penalty. the whistle, letting him know like that's unacceptable. And, and he was with that action. He was like, "Yo, Dad, I want to tackle you. Like, let me hit you." I'm like, "Yo, you got a helmet on? I don't. That hurts." <laughs> <laughs> you can't hit the referee. Right. That's how you get ejected, son. Yeah, but I, I wasn't allowed to throw him out the game. You know, he, he knew the right people. Yeah. <laughs>
That's good. Yep. So that was that was my second favorite slash I, I guess one A one B because right. that was a sentimental. And then I went as Ghostbusters with my son too. Oh, nice. I had the full like the. Uh, the, the, the beams and everything, but you never could cross the streams. That's rule number one. Mm-hmm. But, like, we had the full jumpsuits, the music the playing. Absolutely, everything. man. That's good. I love that one. That's a good that one. That was a lot of fun. That's got to be, like, uh, yeah. the best part about having kids. Oh, it is. Well, ha- having a son specifically. Because, yeah. like, I've had my daughters, you know, they, they were the older two before my son. So it was like you never really dress up to match them per se. You know, my daughters are like, oh, let's be, you know, scary prom queen or uh, – Dracula's wife. I'm like, what? Nah, I'm not really feeling that. I'm not about to go as your, you know, significant other. <laughs> I'm and, not trying to dress up like Twilight here. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool. Hey, Dad, I'm gonna be, you know, a dead bride. You could be my dead bride husband. Nah, I'm, I'm straight on that. I'm cool. I'll stick with the Ghostbusters. Yeah, and the yeah. But, 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 son, but my little man, I'm like, what are we going as this year? Whatever you choose, I got your back. And he loves that too. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, uh, I dyed my hair for him one time. It was crazy. That's awesome. Walk around with green hair and white face paint talking about a zombie. What? What are you doing? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I've got two as well, too. Uh, my first one uh, from my childhood, I used to dress up as the Riddler. Oh. But one year, my, like, I did this. You look like you could pull the Riddler you know, off, too. And you know Jim Carrey? Yes. My, you know Jim Carrey's my guy. You so got that look. I had Aye. the hair. and so I, for like two years, I did it with like body paint and stuff, right? And then yeah. and then one year would have been the last. I, I went as the Riddler like two or three years in a row. Yeah. And the last year, my mom got me like the full, the hat and the outfit oh, and the cane and everything. Yes. And I was shout man, out to mom. I was feeling like a million bucks walking down like the street that, that day. And then the other one from my adulthood that I think you'll really like. Uh, my wife Morgan and I, uh-huh. and one of my best friends Garrett. Yeah. We went as Garrett ta- Cole. I wish, because oh. he's about to get paid. Jeez. Make it break me off a little bit of that check. <laughs> uh, we went as Talladega Knights. Oh, so Ricky Bobby. I went, as, I went as Ricky Bobby. Uh, Morgan went as Carly, right, yeah. as, as, the, as the blonde wife. Uh-huh. And then my buddy Garrett was John C. Riley, was, was Cal Naughton Jr. Uh-huh. And then halfway through the party, Morgan left me to go be with, <laughs> to go, to go be with Garrett. Oh, man, that's funny. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? I'm not going to come to y'all's wedding. I like that. <laughs> so those, I like that. Those are the best, the best Halloween costumes I ever <laughs> rocked with. Yeah. Now, now, you said you – you said you dressed up as the Riddler multiple times. I was going to ask, is there a rule on that? Am I not? I thought you couldn't wear the same costume. I feel like before, t- I mean, because I was like six, seven, eight. Oh, okay, okay, so, okay. I mean, I was real young. Okay, okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, like, yeah. If you're in single digits in your you age, yeah, yeah. you know, or like Absolutely. before you're a teenager. Okay. Yeah, I was six, seven, eight, seven, eight, nine. Oh, so that was your that was your guy, though. Oh, dude, I mean, you know, Jim Carrey yeah, was, that was your guy. I've told you before, uh, there's only two people in this world that I could meet that would starstruck yeah. me and turn me into a, a giddy little 12-year-old Tom boy Tom Brady again. and Jim Carrey. Would you stop it? Yeah. John Mayer and Jim Carrey. Yeah. Yeah. That was Three Question Thursday. I hope you enjoyed it. Those were good. I didn't have to like yell at you today too, man. I, I, thank you. I had you fired up a little bit the last couple weeks. I yeah, tried, you know, I appreciate that. Good t- good I was ready to break a table today, good man. Good tidings of joy. You know, that yeah. Buffalo Bill is still in hey, you. With hey, the every table once breaking. in a while it comes out. <laughs> On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. When we come back here, we'll wrap up with some of your reaction. And uh, I have one more Mason Rudolph question to uh, to throw to Motsi here before we get out of here. Inside the Electric Factory, you're listening to Euler and Motes. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is where Steelers Nation plants its flag. This is Ben Roethlisberger of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're listening to Steelers Nation Radio. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. 
Halloween side theme to the show today, as it is the last day in October. Trick or treating tonight. Well, I guess that depends on where yeah, you where, where you. Yeah. Did they reschedule it in your area? Nah, man. You know we keep energy. Yeah, same with, <laughs> same with me. So we must be like the only townships, the only areas in Pittsburgh that haven't rescheduled we, we trick or treating yet. Keeping the OG yet. status over here, man. But you know, people chiming in here on this Halloween, asking that, that about the been most one of your terrifying. Three, that should be one of your three question Thursdays. Should you reschedule oh, Halloween for inclement weather? You know? you know the real reason behind that, right? Why? Everyone's saying it's all because these kids are soft these days. Ooh. It's because the parents don't want to go out in the rain. The kids don't care. They just want the candy. This is true. Well, thank you for agreeing. Russell chimes in here and says, Wes, I was going to say Moats is Batman and you is Cinderella. Ooh. And he said, I'm just kidding. He said, I can Ooh. actually see you as the Mountaineer. I got the hair for it in the past. Cinderella? <laughs> I, I wish I wish I had the, I wish I had the hair for Cinderella. I just Russell. The problem is I'm like King Babyface over here. I'm like the captain of the Babyfaces. Everybody it's always true. said to me growing up, like, "Oh, you got to be the Mountaineer one day." I can't grow a beard. It's a bit of a bit of a roadblock there, Mozi. I share in that sentiment, man. It gets real patchy over here. Yeah, but at least you can still grow. I, I look nah. like a twelve-year-old. You know how long this takes? Twelve years. Almost. We've also had some conversation about the most terrifying Steelers in head-to-head matchups. I've got the, you know, the main event for you before we get out of here. I've been waiting on it. I know you're going to drop it soon. But last one on the fight card here, on the terrifying card, before we get to the main event. All right, okay. So this is the co-main right here. This is the co-main. Okay. And I'm stepping outside of the box. Ooh. Two coaches. Bill Carr. Uh-huh. Or Chuck Knoll. Oh. That's tough. Whoo. The jaw of Bill Carr? Yeah. Or the guy who had four-a-day practices during training camp during his – the guy who put Tunch and Wolf back in the game in a preseason game yeah. because he was because he was so angry. That's on a whole another level right there, man. I mean, like with Carr, you got to worry about a little saliva getting on you when he's pretty upset with you, which is like, ah, ah watch it. You know, ah, not my eye. But this is Chuck Noel. Like you said, you put a you put your starters back in in the preseason game in the fourth quarter. What? Wow! <laughs> you put your starters back. That's still the most incredible story like, I've ever what? heard. If a coach did that today in the It'd national be fired football league, fired on the spot. We we would the entire country would talk about it for a week. That's crazy. So you going with Noel? I gotta go, Noel, man. I have to. I, I think I. It's close. Four practices a week. I mean, four practices a day, and he's looking at you like, what you? What you why you look tired? You soft? Yeah, what do you, what do you, nah, what do you mean? What are you looking for the cafeteria for? We're not going to the cafeteria. Yeah, no not. lunch for you today. Yeah. <laughs> That's scary. Well, I'll have the main event for Mozi here in a few minutes before we get out of here. But before we do so, I wanted to ask you this last question as it relates to Mason Rudolph. And your confidence in his ability to shoulder the load for the offense on Sunday. We know the running backs are banged up, right? Benny Snell Correct. definitely not going to go. If James Conner can't go, if you've got some moving parts uh, on the offensive line with some injuries there, we're still optimistic about. But, again, devil's advocate here, kind of worst-case scenario type thing. If you're banged up on the offensive line, if you're banged up in the backfield, is it okay to expect Mason to shoulder that load this week now and take on a bigger role, or do you think they still have to find ways – to involve the run game to take some pressure off of, of his arm. 
No, I think uh, it's fully reasonable to expect him to shoulder that load. I don't want to put that much pressure. I mean, Jalen Samuels is definitely going to have a big role if James Conner can't go. Sure. And I do think James, uh, I do think Jalen Samuels is very capable, as we saw last year when he played against the Patriots and the, uh, the success that he had in that game. My thing is he wasn't coming off of an injury going into that Patriots game. And as much as they're saying he's healthy enough to go, as much as they were saying last week he was healthy enough to go, the fact that he did not go makes me still have my concerns in terms of, sure, is he 100% or is he just, oh, he's good clear, to go. he's good to go. Because those are different. We talked about that. Difference you between being 100% a and just being good to go. Oh, Tunchilkin just telling hey. us that Marquise Pouncey is practicing today. That is well, fan- that definitely does fantastic news. That that adds to my confidence then even more so in terms of allowing not only Jalen to come back and have some success, but for Mason to be able to shoulder that load because now he's going to have one of his elite level pass protectors up front, and I do like that element of it. But like I said, man, it's just too much to put on Jalen Samuels. It's too much to expect if it has to be Trey Edmonds or if they have to bump up Darren Hall if James Conner can't go. So with that, you go to the guy who has the next most experience, the guy who's been playing the most between those guys, and that is Mason Rudolph. And when you look at the talent that's around him, you still have Juju outside. You still got Deontay Johnson who's showing that he could be an emerging star. Uh, I'm still waiting for Vance McDonald to have one of his big games. And you know Nick he's Finette. due. Yeah, they're both due. So those are the things. And, and with James Washington and Deontay, uh, and, and Dante Moncrief, excuse me, not Deontay, Dante okay. Moncrief. Deontay, Deontay. You know, just Maybe they could go as each other for Halloween. Ooh. Dante is Deontay, Deontay is Dante. I like that. Ooh. Now you're cooking. But just anything that you're getting from those two guys is going to be a plus as well right now. So that's how I'm looking at it. But I do think also when you're looking at this Colts defense, man, that's the thing that if I'm going to attack them, I'm attacking them through the air. And I think Mason can definitely have some success versus his team based on what we've seen from Mason thus far. I did want to ask you before we get to the main event discussion here in our most terrifying Steelers debate. As a guy who's been in the locker room, as a guy who's been on teams that have gone through frustrating stretches, and correct me if I'm wrong, right? You are a former uh, Chief Award recipient, right? For, yeah, for, man. For your dealings with the media during your time here in Pittsburgh. Every once in a while, I talk to the media, you know. So I wanted to get your thoughts again as, as a guy who's been there in the locker room, a guy who was great with the media, a guy who has been on teams that have gone through frustrating patches, what you thought of uh, what we saw from Baker Mayfield yesterday. Are you talking about your boy? Stay dangerous? Would you stop it? I'm always dangerous. Uh, I wasn't a fan of it. Uh, I really feel like the way he's acting shows that he's a front runner right now. Likes to, you know, sell the wolf tickets, talk a lot when things are going well for him, when he's having success. We saw that earlier when they beat the Ravens and how he was mm-hmm. talking. Hey, man, keep so, that You same, guys threw us in the trash. Keep know, that same energy. Keep energy and all that good stuff. And then, obviously, this offseason he was talking. When you saw what happened to Hugh last year, he was going crazy at Hugh. Those are the things that I don't like. And that's all because these were going well for him. But now that he's facing adversity, I mean, the question wasn't a bad question. Let's be real about it. The media has a job to do. They have a job to ask you questions to figure out answers. Answer the question. You, it is multiple ways to handle it. it even if you don't want – you can still give the short, cookie-cutter, cliche yeah. answer, right? You can even do the Bryce Harper and say, yeah, that's a clown question, bro. I'm not going to yeah. answer that. Like, it's multiple ways to go about responding to that. But the way he did it, man, he just shows that he's still having to grow up mentally a little bit, man. And – Understand that when you sell the wolf tickets, when you're constantly putting you and your team out there, 
that, yeah, if you're not performing well, if your team is losing, you're going to have to answer some of these things. You're going to have to put your feet to the fire. And that's the part that he doesn't like. And we always tell people, everybody loves the, the limelight. They love the the one side of, oh, people love you. People always ask you nice questions. You're taking pictures. That's cool. But it's the flip side to that as well. When you're not playing well, when you're not being successful, yeah, you're going to have to respond. You're going to have to be – you're going to have to stand up in front of those people and answer those questions. And that's what he has to deal with right now, and he doesn't like it. Yeah, and he's not very good at shutting out the noise, I don't think. Not at all. Positive or negative, he's not very good at shutting out the noise. Shout out to Odell Beckham. He's doing a good job. Baker took to Twitter to defend himself. He says, everybody wants to hear the truth until they actually get it. I am who I am and always have been. Don't call it emotional when it's convenient and then passion when it fits. I care about winning, so yeah, I'm frustrated. If I was to act like it's okay to lose, then y'all would say that I've gotten complacent. My sense of urgency is at an all-time high, and if I offend anybody along the way, that's too bad. Baker, you say don't call it emotional when it's convenient and then passion when it fits, but that's exactly what you do in a nutshell. Yep. And we're just keeping that same energy like you told us. You said, hey, everybody threw us in the trash. Keep that same energy. We're We're just trying to keep you there. That's it. We're just, hey, we're following your lead. We're, we're, what's, what's it going to be next week? You win, then you're going to be back talking crazy again. Yeah. Then if you lose the following, you're going to be back. Hey, talking man. tail. You know, that, that's just, like I said, that's the the, the prime example of a front runner, oh, and I'm just not a fan I of it. I can't wait for him against that Steelers defense on a Thursday night mm-hmm. in November. Mm-hmm. We're getting there. We're getting now, there. That's slowly, scary. Slowly but surely. Now, that is scary. And all right, ring the bell. Ding, 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 Here ding, ding. Here we go. Here we go. It is time for the main event. I – if you had to guess, right, I think you know. Do you know where I'm going with this? No, man. Surprise me. Ha-ha. <laughs> mean Joe Green Ooh. against James Debo oh. Harrison. And remember, this isn't who's the better ah, football player. Who's the better? Who's this is who's scarier. more terrifying. Oh, man. All right, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to make it quick, too. I got to go James Harrison, and here's why. It's only been, you know, a couple players in my life that I really wanted to meet. Guys I looked up to, guys that I studied. James was one of them. So I've met, uh, I've met Joe Green on numerous occasions. Never felt intimidated, never felt nervous. Just like, yo, that's me and Joe. Cool. Legend. But as soon as I signed here in Pittsburgh, it's my first week, and I'm excited. And they're like, oh, James Harrison's here because he's about to retire. He's about to make his announcement. So I'm like, man, I'm telling my wife, like, hey, babe. You know, I, I studied James my whole career. Like, when I was in Buffalo, this is a guy I really look up to. I'm about to introduce myself to him. Like, when I see him, like, I just want to tell him, like, yo, shake his hand. Thank you. So he's getting out the shower, and he's, he's drying off. He's getting his clothes on. And I'm like, all right, here's my chance. I'm going to go over here and just, you know, introduce myself. Man, he turned around, and his look on his face looked like if anybody walks over here right now, I'm going to wring their neck. <laughs> and I literally, I was walking towards him. And I beeline to the door and that like I never saw him. <laughs> I get to the car. Wifey's like, hey, babe, how did it go with James? I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't get a chance to see him, man. You know, I totally missed him. <laughs> so with that being said, I'm going to have to say it's James, man, without a doubt. <laughs> I'm, I'm going with James Harrison too, right? And I've been thinking about this a lot over the last two hours. And here's what it came down to for me. When I thought about them away from the football field, right? Yeah. 
and just, again, most intimidating, most terrifying. Right. When I think of Mean Joe away from the football field, I think of the guy who's around all the time and smiles. Or the guy who's th- doing the Coca-Cola commercial. Exactly. It's like you're reading my mind. Yeah. The guy who was giving away his jersey on the Coca-Cola Not commercials. Not the guy on the cover with. When I think of James Harrison, <laughs> I think of the cover of Men's Health two, and standing there shirtless with double magnums. Two, two, two. Two pistols in his hand. in his hand, yeah. <laughs> and so for that reason, you know, I feel like if you met Mean Joe Green in a dark alley, as long as you weren't wearing like a Cowboys or a Browns yeah. uniform, he'd be a nice guy. Say, hey, young man, do you need a light? Debo might knock your block off. Right. Like I said, man, if y'all could have seen when he, when he turned around that face, I said, oh, nah, buddy. I'm going to just casually walk on by. Yeah, that'll do it for today's show. Hope everybody enjoyed it and had some fun listening today. Hope you have fun tonight. Stay safe on Halloween. Hope you have fun with the family. Mozi Always, doing some trick-or-treating. We will be back tomorrow. You already know, and we will be looking ahead to Steelers Colts on Sunday. Thanks to Brian Backo for joining us, and thanks to our leader, Brian LaMartina, for producing things back at HQ. We'll talk the Yins tomorrow, same time, same place, inside the Electric Factory, Steelers Blitz on SNR. You're listening to SNR, Steelers Nation Radio.